0: I was praying and the Lord showed me as it was actually in my heart before that sometimes communion Sunday is a good time to talk about attributes of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So as I was praying during that throughout this week he had me um, come to Acts chapter 1 and today we're going to talk about the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Holy Ghost because a lot of people do not talk about the Holy Ghost. Oh see that see that see how the Lord works it out when you when you, listen, when you listen to the Lord, he shifts gears for you. So that's perfect. Everybody wants to hear about it. So we're going to talk about the Holy Ghost. Amen? Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. All right, the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. It says, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait, For the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we thank and praise you, Lord, for the awesome privilege of studying the holy ghost today and we praise you father that you would speak and give illumination and clarity to all your people today let us have a full understanding father of the things that you want to share with us today we know father that revelation of who you are the holy spirit and jesus christ is really inexhaustible so no one day can truly cover it but we ask you father to give us a strong enough background that we're fully aware of how we need to seek you and interact with you on a daily basis father as we come to a greater understanding of who the holy ghost is we ask father that you would make your voice more clear to us on a daily basis that you would show us the ways in which you operate the ways in which you speak and the ways in which you touch our life And we praise you it would strengthen our walk, Holly, as well as our ability to witness to others. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right. So as I said, we're talking about the Holy Ghost today. And there's a few key words that I want to look at before we go further. One of them is that Jesus Christ himself, in the red letters, of our text scripture he said wait for the promise of the father the holy ghost is the promise of the father it's not something that oh i might give to you or it might occur but jesus christ said hey look out for him the holy ghost is something that god has promised is going to be a part of your life and this is just not a one-shot deal where he operates in your life on a daily basis He's part of you every day of your life. And that word promise in the underlying Greek means a divine assurance of good, a divine, not earthly or fleshly, but a divine, a God-ordained promise and assurance that good things are going to come into your life. Amen. That's what the Holy Ghost provides you. Amen. Hallelujah. And Jesus said, ye have heard this of me. I think in the modern-day speech, that's almost like he's saying, hey, if I said it, it's going to happen. I'm putting my word, my bond on it. So you can, you can take that to the bank. You can cash that check. I am promising you that the Holy Ghost, even though I might be leaving you, the Holy Ghost is going to be in your life. So you may not be able to get to me because I'm at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places, but I didn't leave you alone by yourself. Here you go, you've got the Holy Ghost to be a part of your life on a daily basis. What a promise, amen? What a promise that we have the Holy Ghost on a daily basis. And then in verse 5 he says, For John truly baptized with water. And that's one of the things that we're accustomed with, water baptized water baptism amen but he goes further he doesn't take away from the baptism of water which john provided but he says but you shall get something else you shall be baptized with the holy ghost amen And that's what a lot of people in the church forget. We're accustomed to having baptism with water, but Jesus Christ said that there's actually another form of baptism that I want all of you to have as well. It's the baptism of power, amen? It's the baptism of the anointing of the Holy Ghost to interact in your life on a daily basis. So there's the water baptism where your body gets dunked down and you get submerged, but he also says, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost himself, amen? Wow. Two baptisms. Baptism of water, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now that word baptism here, or baptize, it means to make fully wet. Jesus Christ says, I'm going to make you fully wet with the Holy Ghost. And when you hear that phrase, fully wet, you're like, wet? I can understand getting dunked in water that I'm wet, but I don't understand, like, how can I be fully wet with the Holy Ghost?" with the Spirit of God. But what that word fully wet truly means is to be saturated with. Amen? You ever dunk something in water and it's just soaked, drenched, dripping, you know, leaving a trail of water behind it, and you spring it out and water is just flowing from that thing? I have something that I actually purchased from my car to tr- try to prevent it from spotting when I wash it. It has microfibers in the cloth, and this thing can absorb water so greatly that my car could be fully soaked, bubbles all over it. I'll actually throw this microfiber cloth on the car, and they actually tell you that unlike trying to dry your car with a traditional towel or rag where you're rubbing and trying to get the water off, they actually tell you, don't rub this thing. They say just actually place it on the car and pull it. And I it was a little skeptical at first, but I took it, I did what they said, I threw it on my car, and I just started pulling it slowly. And as I pulled it, I could just literally see it soaked up the water so much that you could barely see that my car was wet. It was just a car shine from the water, but there was no puddling on the car because it totally absorbed that water. See, that's what God wants to do with you and I. He wants us to be so saturated with the Holy Ghost that it just is in us, resonating in us. You know I talked about in praise and worship that we're just resonating the praise of God and the presence of God and the power and wisdom of God, just radiating in us, amen? And it's not something that is just lip service coming out of our our mouths, but it's just something that's truly bubbling up on the inside of us. That's how God wants the Holy Ghost to be, amen? Hallelujah, that you're just saturated from head to toe, outside and inside with the presence of the Holy Ghost himself. And finally, he talks about, power. You shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. And he says, you're going to, after this baptism, you're going to receive power in verse eight. Amen. But when does the power come? After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. So the Holy Ghost is your power supply. We can walk around as Christians on a daily basis and profess the word of God. We can say, I believe in Jesus. But if you want to really get out there and lay hands on the sick, and see the manifestation of healing to come forth in their life, it says that you need the Holy Ghost. Because Jesus himself says, You shall receive what? Power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And we see that demonstrated in Scripture itself. Jesus Christ walked around ministering the Word of God. But if you really see when it all was sparked, one day John the Baptist was at the Jordan baptizing people, and Jesus comes on the scene. And Jesus says... Hey, I need you to baptize me. And he's like, well, no, I can't baptize you. You need to wash me clean. And he said, no, I got to do it. And when Jesus was baptized with water, what happened? It says that the Holy Ghost descended upon him like a dove. Why did this need occur? Because first, he did the ritual, the public demonstration of my faith by getting baptized according to John. But then in order to operate in signs, miracles, and wonders of his ministry, he needed the Holy Ghost. Jesus Christ himself needed the Holy Ghost to come upon him like a dove. And then once that happened, uh uh-oh, it's on, devil. He went out there demonstrating the power and authority that he had. He started casting out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead. When did all this occur? After the Holy Ghost came upon him. Because no earthly shell can operate in signs, miracles, or wonders outside of the power of the Holy Ghost. And even the world system will try to tell you that people have power through the works of darkness. But I'm going to tell you, it's nothing but counterfeit power. Anytime the forces of darkness try to operate, but the true power and authority of the spirit of god comes into place bow down sucker (laughs) something greater than you is on the scene so jesus christ said that not only was he imbued with power but he says that once we receive the holy ghost we will get power that word power there in underlying greek means miraculous wonder working power or force amen so you've gone from somebody that has natural fleshly attributes i can lift weights I can sing, I can run far, I'm very artistic. You could have all these earthly traits that are great, but once the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you get divine power from on high that takes all your earth, earthly attributes to the next level. You sing better. You can run farther. You can preach better. You have more revelation to teach the Word of God than you ever had before. And I can tell you in the years that the Holy Ghost, when He gets upon these aspects of your life, it takes it to a holy... A whole different level that you can't even dream of amen i don't know how many times over the over the years that i've taught or preached a sermon and i said a bunch of stuff and i'm like i gotta go listen to that later and everybody's like oh he's so deep he's so deep and i, I remember time with the voice of hope i had my whole sermon mapped out notes ready to go very thorough as usual i'm like you know, getting my notes together is about to call me up. And as I was about to go up to that pulpit, I saw a new banner on the church that had a, a scripture. And I read it. And as I read it, the Lord put an idea in my mind. And I was like, okay, well, when I go up, I'm going to share what he just gave me. Hour and a half later, I preached a sermon on the banner. No notes, hour and a half. Amen. All Holy Ghost. See, the Holy Ghost takes you to a new level beyond what you ever think you can do. Amen. And I did it in terms of the preaching, but it's other areas of our life as well that the Holy Ghost can anoint you and empower you. You know, Lisa, actually, I just thought of that. Lisa said there was a time where before uh, they, she did her part speaking, she started out with a prayer. You remember we're talking about? She started out with a prayer. And she said by the time she was done, she said everybody was coming back to her later. And she's like, it's almost like, I didn't even know what I prayed, but everybody else is just like, you blew us away. Why? Because the Holy Ghost took over her spirit, not in terms of like she's a drone and a robot and she's not aware, but he just anointed her and brought so much power and authority, insight, revelation, and probably deliverance to her prayers that it took her prayers from her natural person to a whole other level that other people were astounded like, whoa, what in the world are you doing here? Where'd that come from? Amen. The Holy Ghost got a hold of her prayers. Amen. So that's a really incredible thing. One of the most amazing things about our relationship with God is the fact that in all of creation, just think about that, a God that created all things, and it was the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God that moved upon the faces of the water as the earth was formed in fashion. Somehow, the Holy Ghost was part of all the creation of the planet Earth, the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the planets, the galaxies, everything out there in the creation the fish, the animals, and everything on the earth. Then when man was formed and fashioned out of the dust of the earth and God breathed it in, the Holy Ghost made that all happen. But yet, despite all that greatness, the Holy Ghost is inside a little old me. I mean, that's just mind-blowing. How? I mean, I'm a very logical person. It seems to me that if the Holy Ghost is that great, That he could be everywhere and have created all things and is the power of God working throughout all creation. Him somehow being crammed in this little earth suit seems like, shouldn't I explode? (laughs) But somehow he does it. (laughs) That's just mind blowing. It's staggering. How can something, someone that powerful, that great, be inside of me on a daily basis? And operating through me on a daily basis. It's it's just staggering. So, despite all these things, we have the indwelling presence of the Holy Ghost inside of us on a daily basis. Now, as I said, we're accustomed to speaking about God the Father. You hear that all the time. Even people that are unsaved will talk about, "Oh, my my daddy in the sky," you know, the heavenly Father, the big man in the sky. You know, even you know, you hear celebrities, all different people, they're always talking about the big man upstairs. Everybody knows about God. You might not even serve him, but everybody knows about God. People know about Jesus. You know, they talk about him all the time, good and bad. But everybody knows about Jesus. But there always seems to be something very, very mysterious about the Holy Ghost. Amen? <laughs> and that's one of the questions that the Lord had me studying. You know, exactly who is the Holy Ghost? Is the Holy Ghost some kind of inanimate power source that just emanates from God and God just flips on an electrical switch and power is unleashed from him is that the Holy Ghost or is the Holy Ghost something more you know and as I looked at it further I said you know is the Holy Ghost what everybody else has tried to say sometimes is the Holy Ghost getting happy in church oh he got the Holy Ghost what did he lay hand on somebody that was sick and they recover no did somebody get raised from the dead no Did he talk in a a foreign language that was interpreted? No. Well, how do you say he got the Holy Ghost? Oh, he got up out of his seat. He just danced around the church. So the Holy Ghost is associated with getting happy. Amen? But once again, is that all that the Holy Ghost is? You know, is he? Is it? Is it an it? A power source? Or is the Holy Ghost something more? So that's what I want to look at first. So we're going to examine the actual nature of the Holy Ghost based upon the Word of God. The first thing we're going to look at is Deuteronomy 19, 15. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to know exactly why I'm using it, but I'm going to get to it in my next verse. It says, One witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or for any sin, in any sin that he sinneth. At the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter Be established. So we see here uh, there's a principle according to the law first mentioned. Anytime something like a major biblical principle is illustrated in the initial stages of the Bible, throughout Scripture it will follow the same pattern. So God is basically establishing the principle of how to witness something or how to fully sanction something according to the word of God. So he says here that if you want to have something fully witnesses, witness, and this is the testimony of it and this is the nature of it, it takes two or three witnesses at least to say here is the guiding principle. And it will remain true throughout all of Scripture. Amen? Everybody got that? All right. This is why it's important. First John 5 five through eight. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree in one. All right, so we see here that the Holy Ghost, or if we actually we go back to Deuteronomy, we say according to God's principles and laws, full legal testimony of something requires at least two or three witnesses. And we see here. We see here that out of the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the part of the triune Godhead that was the witness both in heaven and in earth that Jesus, Jesus Christ is the Savior of mankind. Amen? So we see here it says, you know, the three in heaven, they bear record of who Jesus is. Who is Jesus, the Savior of all mankind? Well, who bore record in heaven? The Father, the Word, which we know in the book of John, chapter 1, that Jesus Christ is the Word, so Jesus bore record of himself. (laughs) The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Up in heaven, the divine counsels of eternity, they say, who will be the Savior of mankind? God the Father says, it will be Jesus. The Word, Jesus himself says, it will be me. And the Holy Ghost said, it will be Jesus. We all agree as one. And then it goes further and says, these three are one. So there's no separation. We cannot say that the Holy Ghost is an inanimate power stream coming out of God. We cannot say it's an inanimate object or something that doesn't have a personality. It's not alive because it says the three are one. And if the Holy Ghost is one with God and Jesus... Then, if they are active, if they are alive, if they are rational beings, and He is one with them, then He is also a He, and a living being, and somebody that you could talk and interact with on a daily basis. Amen. So we go around on a daily basis. This is my point. We go around on a daily basis. Oh, thank you, God. Praise you, Jesus. We do that all the time. But how many times do we say, "Thank you, Holy Ghost"? Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, speak to me. I can't understand this. Holy Ghost, can you talk to me right about now about this? I'm not saying you did it wrong. I'm just saying don't don't talk to Father God and talk to Jesus and kick the Holy Ghost to the curb. Like he's some kind of power stream. The Holy Ghost, hey, when I've I've laid hands on the sick and they've recovered. And there have been times where I've even felt the manifestation of the power of God coming out of my hand into somebody else. But it's not like I just say, okay, well, thank you, Jesus, and thank you, God, and somebody I forgot. The Holy Ghost is just as much a part of the triune God as Jesus and Father God. Amen? So let's not diminish him. Let's not forget about him. And like I said, don't feel like you're doing something wrong spiritually if you decide to say, Holy Ghost, can you help me with this right now? Speak to me, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. That shouldn't be a foreign thing. That should be just as natural as the other two. We see here, it says the three are one. And I think that's why it goes to the full testimony too. Remember in Deuteronomy it says you've got to have at least two or three witnesses? The enemy might have argued and said, that's not fair. How could Jesus testify of himself as being a savior? That's not fair. God's law is two or three. So even if Satan tries to argue against it, the father... And the Holy Ghost says that Jesus is the Savior of mankind, even though Jesus says, I am the Savior of mankind. Amen? Hallelujah. So, all right, we talked about heavenly places. The three of them, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit, said that Jesus Christ is Savior of mankind. But what about earth? All right, well, there are three that bear witness in the earth. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. Oh, Jesus comes to the Jordan, baptize me. Man, I'm not worthy to, to tie your sandals. I'm not baptizing you. You need to wash me clean. No, I need to be baptized. Jesus gets into the water, and even in his crucifixion, when they stuck him with the spear, it says that water and blood came out. So the water and the blood witnessed that Jesus Christ was the Savior of mankind, but we see here in the list, it says the first one that witnessed to, to Jesus and who he was was what? The Spirit, the Spirit of God descending like a dove on Jesus. He is the only begotten Son of the Father. Amen? Matter of fact, if you really go further, this is just coming to me right now. When Mary was carrying Jesus in her womb, she ran across her cousin Elizabeth, who had been barren. And it turns out she was pregnant with Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. And it was a good day, both natural childbirth, no signs of any problem or anything like that. Everything was going normal. And one day, Mary comes by and visits Elizabeth. And what happens? John the Baptist starts kicking inside Elizabeth. Why? Because the witness of the Holy Ghost between them said, whoa, even in the womb of my mother, I recognize the Savior that I'm here to serve. The Holy Ghost, amen, witnessing. So we see here that the Word of God actually says the first one that is the witness of jesus christ in the earth is the holy spirit amen and that's what is the first witness to us on a daily basis just think about that the holy ghost had to speak to your heart to make you bend the throne of your heart over to jesus christ amen and if the word doesn't do that I mean, the Holy Ghost doesn't do that, you will not accept Jesus Christ. And I've heard testimonies over the years how people got saved, not through the preaching of the Word, but because the Holy Ghost himself spoke to their heart and said, you need to bend your knee to Jesus. I've, talked, I've, I've, written, I've, I've read testimonies from mathematicians. You know, this one mathematician, I can't remember his name right now, he was actually trying to do a mathematical formula to calculate existence and the fact that there is no God, mathematically. So he went through pages to pages to pages of calculations. And I'm not talking about multiple calculations. He had, like, formulas that were taking all the pages. And when he came to the end of all these pages, he's like, my equation says there is a God. So he goes back to the, the, to the think tank and he said, my equations say there, there is a God. There has to be a God. Like, something's wrong with your equations. Throw it all away. Calculate it again. He went back to page one. E to the ninth power of this, by the the hypotenuse of this, and, you know, to the third degree of this, and the tenth of that, and the exponential, all that. All the form is, came to the end of it again, there's a God. <laughs> and got saved. <laughs> the man literally got saved through Mathematics. There's been people that have been saved through music. There's been people that have been saved through art. I went to a full gospel men's fellowship breakfast years ago, and there was a guy that was born on a reservation a native american he spent his entire life on a reservation and no missionaries had ever come to his reservation to speak to them about jesus so this one day he's praying he's meditating and he's he's praying to the to the snake spirit and the rabbit spirit and the bear spirit and and the lion and the snake and the eagle and all this stuff and all of a sudden he says he's praying and meditating this one day and the great white spirit comes to talk to him And he talks to him. He's like, hey, I'm used to talking to spirits. So, hey, just another spirit. I'm talking to him. We're interacting. So he says he goes about his business. Then he comes. He's praying another day. Here comes a great white spirit again. And he says he starts praying. He starts talking to him. And all of a sudden, the great white spirit says, all those animal spirits are false. Worship me. And he said through that, he accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Lord Savior no missionary, no preacher, no televangelist, no radio, the Holy Spirit himself went to him and says, bow down to me and turn away from all those false guys that you're worshiping. So the Holy Ghost led him to himself, <laughs> since he's part of, you know, Jesus and God the Father. So the Holy Ghost like I said, it's more than getting happy in church. He's more than a power stream emanating from the throne room of God. The Holy Spirit is one with God, and he is the great witness in heaven and in earth that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God and that Jesus Christ is the Savior of all mankind. Hallelujah. All right, so we saw that it's a testimony that is provided by the Holy Ghost, and we see here that he is literally one with god these three are one so we cannot say the holy ghost is separate all right we're going to go to the book of acts and we're going to see further uh, something further about who is the holy ghost in the text we're actually going to read acts chapter 4 starting in verse 33 going down to acts chapter 5 verse 5 so we're going between chapters acts 4 33 through Acts 5, verse 5. It says, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there among, I'm sorry, neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles were surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levi, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, upon hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. Praise the Lord. All right, so we see here the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And what happened, as you saw here, is that people were selling some of their possessions and they were using it to fund the early church. And everybody basically said, we're all on the same accord. We're going to sell this and sell that and we're going to give all the money over to the use of God. And all the other people were doing it, and they were doing it honestly. But when Ananias sold his, and we see here it says his wife Sapphira, instead of being, like, unaware, it says she was fully aware of what he did. So she was a party to it. He went and sold his stuff, and when he came to give it to the church, he said, oh, you know, it's like the equivalent of uh, the house is worth $100,000. And he said, I'm going to keep 10 and give you all 90. (laughs) So he came up to the church. He said, here's the money for what I sold. And they're like, did you give all like everybody else did and like you promised? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's all. So unfortunately for him, you know, we see that Peter's told him, he said, why have you done this thing? You know, God bless you to have it. You sold it. You're supposed to give, you know, what you got for it to God in full, 100%. Why have you decided to lie? And then we see here, in terms of identification of who the Holy Ghost is, he says, when you lied, you let not only let Satan fill in thy heart with deception, but he says, you actually have not just lied to men, but by lying in terms of what you're doing, you have lied to the Holy Ghost, and you have lied to God himself. And unfortunately for Ananias, he fell dead for what he did. Yikes. <laughs> That would scare a lot of churches in this day and age. <laughs> if you don't get your full-time offer, you're going to drop dead. <laughs> that would be a service. <laughs> Boy, that would be a service. Like, wow, 700 people died <laughs> at offering time. <laughs> wow. Um, and as it goes further in the story, and it's not here, but they actually brought Sapphire in, and they asked her, they like, hey, you were this deception with what happened with your husband you know and did y'all give it all and she lied too and they had a a dual funeral (laughs) later that week (laughs) they had to bury two that week but we see here the main thing as it relates to the holy ghost it says satan has filled thine heart to lie to the holy ghost and he says further you have not lied to men but when you lie to the Holy Ghost, you lie to God. So we see here that the Holy Ghost is God. He is not a power source. Once again, He is not inanimate. He is more than an attribute of God. He is God Himself. Amen? Hallelujah. All right, we're we'll going to look at another thing. 1 Corinthians 2 12 through 16. Now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth but which the Holy Ghost teacheth comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who have known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Praise the Lord. So we see here that the Holy Ghost is not only part of the divine Godhead, and he is God himself, but we see here that he is also the great teacher. And the great thing about that is that, it shows us in this passage of Scripture that there's certain things that we cannot understand. You know, we just can't grasp them, especially about the nature, the char- character, the attributes, the desires of God. A natural, carnal, fleshly person with our desires cannot fully grasp what God desires or that some of the things that God wants us to do. But the blessed thing about the Holy Ghost is that He can speak to us and say, even though it seems like total foolishness what you're about to do in the kingdom of god it makes perfect sense so go ahead and do this you know especially in a situation where people are telling you you're crazy you you can't do that what are you what are you talking about have you lost your mind sometimes we're going to do something as believers that seems foolish to everyday people but yet in god's economy in god's kingdom it makes total sense amen and it'll pour out cause the blessings of god to pour out into your life so it may seem foolish People might criticize it and say, you're going the wrong way. But if the Holy Ghost speaks to us and tells us to do something, he can also give us clarity as to why this is the right way to go. Amen? We see examples of that throughout Scripture, that people did things that seemed to be foolish, but yet it's the right thing. You go back to Noah himself, 120 years of building an ark with generations of people pointing and laughing at the foolish old man that's building some big contraption. But he heard God clearly. He knew that this is what God had told him to do. So despite the naysayers in the crowd, he continued on to what God bid him to do. And by his obedience, mankind was literally saved. And not only mankind, but all the land animals and the animals of the air were saved by him building that ark. So sometimes people might say you're foolish, you're a crazy old man or whatever. But if God has spoken to you, God can not only speak it to you, but tell you, this is why you're doing it to Noah he told him build an ark and probably told him like hey you need to build this ark because the world is about to be destroyed so to the world you're a fool but to God you are the wisest of men because you're listening to the Holy Spirit telling you what needs to be accomplished all right next thing we look at is John chapter 16 Verses 12 and 13. This is Jesus speaking. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. So this is a great statement that jesus christ makes about him and one thing that needs to be clear if i didn't say it earlier is in the bible where you see the spirit capital s or you see the holy spirit or the holy ghost it's all the same you know if you see the comforter capital c it's all referring to the holy ghost you know there's there's just different names for the holy ghost amen so here jesus christ is speaking and it says he says how be it when he the spirit capital s of truth so that shows us here that truth emanates from the holy spirit people can preach all kinds of nonsense people can talk about all kinds of philosophies and well i know this is true and oh the bible got it wrong or whatever they want to say but the reality is we see here that one of the main aspects of the holy spirit is that he is truth itself amen you want truth talk to the holy ghost he'll give it to you straight you know he'll give you insight to avoid all the false doctrines he'll give you insight when your plans could go awry and you don't know what to do he can give you the truth you know he can give you truth in terms of his corrective ability to say i'm going to convict you right now because what you're about to do is wrong so he gets you to the truth even though your feelings your desires to tell you a certain thing the holy spirit is the one that is the truth bearer amen Hallelujah. He will give you all truth. We see here that even if you're off the path, thank God for the Holy Ghost because he says he will guide you into all truth. He's not only truth, but he says if you're off course of the truth, I'll guide you back to the truth. Thank you, Jesus, for, hold, for the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for being the Holy Ghost. Because I could be totally wrong, but the Holy Ghost will speak to me if I'm open to hear it, and he will guide me back to what is pure what is holy what is accurate what is right you know what is truthful hallelujah and a final thing in this passage he says he will show you things to come in other words he will warn you not only of biblical things that are coming on horizon Uh, these are the last days and here's the rise of the antichrist don't take the mark the holy ghost can warn you about these things but the holy ghost also gives you warnings of things to come in your everyday life, that can save you and spare you from calamity. Amen? I remember one time distinctly, I was at a light years ago, and I have a habit at stoplights that even though the light may turn green, I'll pause for a couple seconds in case somebody goes flying through a red light. So this one particular day, I was on the White Horse Pike, and the light turned green. I was the very first car. I still paused for a few seconds, you know, looked. I didn't see anything coming, and I was just about to pressed my foot down on accelerator and all of a sudden i heard the word no but here's the thing that really caught me i never forgot i not only heard the word no but i saw in my mind's eye i guess you would say huge letters that in my mind they looked like the hollywood sign on the hills like these big letters capital n capital o huge exclamation point no and it caught me so suddenly that i just put my foot back on the brake this car comes flying through probably like 50, 60 miles an hour. I was like, it could have easily killed me if I pulled through. And the thing is, the light had turned green. It was plenty of time from the time of it turning green to me going that it made reasonable sense, not only the natural mind, but also from my eyesight, there's nothing coming, go ahead. But the Holy Ghost was like, no! Hit the brake, the car came flying through. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Amen. He saved me. So, He will warn you of things to come. You ever have a time where the Holy Ghost warns you to about people that may seem to mean you well, and the Holy Ghost puts a warning in your spirit? We call it a check in our spirit sometime. Amen. And just say, Watch that person. You know, not make an enemy out of them, but just watch them. Or you're going to some situation, and He'll give you a warning in your spirit, like something's about to happen. Let me be guarded up and ready. Let me be prayerful. Amen. See, He warns you about things to come you may not know what is telling you the things to come but i'm identifying today that a lot of times it is the holy ghost warning you he is telling you you may not know exactly what's about to occur and he may not tell you exactly what it's going to be but sometimes he just gives you that sense of urgency or he'll give you that insight to hold off on this or that, or as it speaks to that sense of warning of things to come, sometimes he also speaks to the heart of somebody else. You know, Nikki gets a lot of times, oh, I need to pray for this person. I don't know why. That's because the Holy Ghost knows why. Amen? The Holy Ghost knows that that person is going through a trial or tribulation. And the Holy Ghost is not the big spy in the sky, the big CIA agent, pouring out your personal secrets to somebody else. Amen? So the Holy Ghost might say, pray for that individual, and he won't tell you why, but he just just pray. And if you respond to the Holy Ghost telling you to do that, then it goes up in the heavenly places, and then it causes the manifestation of what he, ha- he wants to occur in that person's life. Amen? Hallelujah. So the Holy Ghost knows not only is truth and guides you in all truth, but he says he will speak truth, he knows all truth, and he will actually give people the unction to pray as according to the purposes and will of God without putting out your truth in ways that's not necessary amen the only one that needs to know the truth is him and that he knows what to do with the truth in other words hallelujah even if we may not know so he is the essence of truth he is the one like i said who will warn you of deception, And he will ensure that we're aware of things that can affect our future. I remember years ago, Pam and I were invited to this church over in Philly. And I was there. And they were so warm and so friendly. But it was just too friendly. And, Holy, and, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit was like, it's a cult. Like, oh, come back. Yeah, come back. Oh, we're having this Tuesday night. We're having this Wednesday night. We're having this Thursday night. You've got to come back. You've got to come back. And I was like, oh, well, thanks for the invite. I said, i have a home church. But they kept pressing Oh, you gotta come back. You gotta come. Back. I say, like, I have a home church. Oh, but you just got it. Okay. Something ain't right with you. And the Holy Ghost was like, "That's a cult." And then I was praying, and I had a newsletter at the time that it started out with me just sending my Bible study teachings to family members. You know, Gigi out in Ohio and Pat down in Florida. And then it was like, okay, well, I got a friend here. You can, you know, you mind sending them too? And then, oh, somebody at my job here. The next thing you know, I got like a, a mailing list of over 100 people that I'm sending Bible study teachings out to every week. And it's from that interaction with this, this couple, I started sending them teachings. And from time to time, the Holy Spirit would say, write a letter. And he said, you send a message without sending a message. Amen. In other words, instead of me writing a personal letter to this couple and say, you are in a cult. Get out now. He would have me word the letter in such a way that it would go out to everybody on my mailing list. But if you were reading between the lines, it would kind of wake up their eyes to what they were in. And unfortunately, they I guess they took it to their leaders and their leaders did not like the fact that it was going to enlighten them and maybe bring them out of that cult. So they ended up sending me a letter back. Oh, we're just too busy. Um, so, you know, sorry, but could you stop sending to us? But I knew it wasn't a case of busy. They loved it. It was a case of they were being warned by the leaders. Get away from that because it was going to lead them out of deception. And here's the thing. Years later, I was over in Philly working out of Blue Cross in Philly, and I was at a corner getting lunch one day, and this woman walks up. And, I guess you know, you feel somebody looking at you. And, you know, I looked, and i didn't really recognize her and then i could still feel the eyes on me so i looked at and she said are you brian fox i was like, yeah and she came home she said hi I'm, I'm not gonna get a name but said did you know i was before she finished i say in a cult she said why'd you tell me i said i tried to tell you you weren't in a place to receive it and they were stalking her and chasing her down and threatening her and all this other stuff so unfortunately the holy ghost will try to get the truth to us but if we're not receptive sometimes the truth can get blocked amen so he is the essence of truth we got to be willing to listen to him all right let's look at luke chapter 24 verse 49 and behold i send the promise of my father upon you but tarry ye in the city of jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high once again we see that the holy ghost is the promise of the father what a promise amen you know as kids sometimes we ask our parents for something for our birthday for christmas and they promise it and sometimes you get it and sometimes you're disappointed but wow thank god for jesus christ says i'm giving you the promise of the holy ghost and it's a promise that is fulfilled in the life of every believer you accept jesus christ you have the holy ghost in your life amen hallelujah he's a part of you he's indwelling you And then there's a promise of power. We get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's where our spiritual gifts get more operable. Amen? And actually, I I mentioned it earlier. I talked about there's something that was loaded up, and every time I turn around, I was coming across more of my notes. That's the series we're going to be doing. You know, I'll probably be waiting until the new year. It's going to be a a series on spiritual gifts. So we're going to talk about how that power that comes from the Holy Ghost, how it's going to be active in our everyday lives. Amen? Hallelujah. So. We'll be doing that probably starting in January, a series on the spiritual gifts, you know, and how those spiritual gifts are in your life, not the life of everybody else. see, this is a promise. This is a promise Jesus Christ made to everyone. He didn't say, I'm only giving a promise to certain people. He is promising this to everybody that's in the, in the family of God. Everybody's in, bo- in the body of Christ gets this promise from Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. All right, so... um. He will implant, He will impart, He will embed the power of God within us. Why? Not that we're, you know, like the comic books. (laughs) You see, in the comic books, sometimes people get power and they become villains. They use their power for impure, unholy, unrighteous, self motivated purposes. You know, thank God for the Holy Ghost. He gives us power from God Himself delegated to us but delegated to us for use in the kingdom amen so he'll give you power but you just can't go out and just use it any old way you want but when his power comes in it's nothing more rewarding than the power of god operating in your life on a daily basis amen you know i told people before we went down to thomas jefferson one time and went to pray for this lady and she was cancerous and her eyes were glazed over like she had glaucoma and um we laid hands on her. her, her chest was swollen up, looked about, about like ten to twelve inches, just swollen up. And she was breathing in. Almost sound like that, that death rattle. <laughs> that real shallow breathing and everything. And we went in there and, you know, through the Holy Ghost I could just sense like the despair, the doom and gloom and that's in that room, and I was like, We can't have the, the atmosphere of God touch and impact this woman while there's all this death in the air. So I prayed and I you know, I basically told the family, say, like, Look, you know, I'm not trying to be rude. I said, but if we're going to believe God, let's believe God. If y'all want to be doomy and gloomy, can y'all step outside? Because this is a place for the saints and the warriors to come into place and believe for God. And we prayed and we sang and we could feel the atmosphere of the room changing. But see, it went more beyond an emotional aspect of the room and the atmosphere changing. It was in the literal because I literally watched this woman's chest in about 20 minutes. It went from six, I mean, it went from about 10 to 12 inches, swollen up, elevated. I literally saw her chest go down. I'm sitting there like, wow. Then <laughs> she opened her eyes, and like I said, it looked like she had glaucoma, something. her eyes were all glazed over. I saw her eyes clear up. Her skin color started, you know, it was like grayish for like the lack of circulation. I saw like her, her color started coming back to normal. You know, and, and she, her, her skin started changing its color. And the thing was beyond the chest going down. The other thing that was remarkable, too, is that she was just laying there. She just started breathing clear. And she started moving her arms and legs so much they actually had to strap her down. The woman got energized. And this just literally saw the power of God come into that room and touch that woman's body. I mean, that's a remarkable thing. It's a remarkable. So the power of the Holy Ghost, it's a real thing amen the question might be whether or not we believe in god to do his thing in the life of people you know we need to trust in the holy ghost we need to believe in the holy ghost we need to speak hey the holy ghost the power of god can move in our circumstances and we could trust him to love everybody just as much as god the father and god the son loves people the holy ghost loves them as well he wants to see people's lives touch and he wants us as believers to go and interact Amen. And believe the power of God to emanate in our circumstances. But we got to say, I trust him. I believe in what he wants to do through me. Amen. I believe he's in me and what's in me wants to come out and touch the lives of other people. Amen. We have to believe that. But we think we're nothing but a fleshly shell with all our dysfunction and our shortcomings. Then How can we expect the Holy Ghost to touch the lives of somebody else? We got to believe like, hey, I'm a repository of the power of the most high God. And he wants to use me everywhere I go. Think about that. We are portable. We're able to move around. And we have the Holy Ghost inside of us. No matter where despair and darkness resides, no matter where the power of the devil is at, is present, if God is within us and we're going to meet these people, guess what? You're taking the power of God with you into their circumstances. What an awesome privilege, amen? What an awesome privilege. You are a portable storehouse of the power guy. God. And everywhere you go, he's going with you. Use your power wisely. <laughs> Use your power wisely and be ready to go. Hallelujah. Is your power source drained? So that if God wants to use you, there's nothing to dispense? Or do you keep yourself fully charged in the Holy Ghost? Amen? Seeking out God, seeking God's revelation, seeking relationship with God so that he can keep you full of his presence so that you're able to act and operate in the lives of other people. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's see if I want to do this one. Um, you can write this down for later. Acts chapter 2. 36 through 39. And in that one, Peter is actually telling everybody, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins. And he also says, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So the gift, the Holy Ghost is not only the promise of God, but he's also the gift of God. Just as your salvation is free, receiving the Holy Ghost is a free gift as well you don't have to barter with God you don't have to beg with God God wants to give you the gift the same way you know I joked this morning about the gifts lining up the tree here the Holy Ghost is a gift and unlike this gifts on the tree you got to wait to get them the gift of the Holy Ghost he's present all the time amen so you don't have to wait you can have him operate in your life at any moment All right, so we've seen the nature of the Holy Ghost. Who is the Holy Ghost? He is God the Father. He is God the Son. He is one with the triune God. That's why people say there's a trinity. And some people try to say, oh, well, there is no trinity because trinity is not in the Bible. Well, trinity is the way that we describe the relationship. But we saw already that there are three that are one that agree as one. So, yeah, the Bible didn't use the word trinity, but that is the term that we've come to use over the years to describe what it said in that passage of scripture so we know who the holy ghost is my other, my question though is now that we know who the holy ghost is we know that he is god he's one with god he's not a power source he's not an inanimate object he is god himself now that we know that where is the holy ghost where's he at i don't see no holy ghost so where is he so we're going to look at that next first we're going to look at acts i'm sorry john Chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Amen? So we see here a few things. First of all, we see, once again, he is the Spirit of truth. So we've seen that in more than one passage of Scripture. He is the Spirit of truth. We see here that the world cannot receive him. That means people that are unsaved, they cannot receive him. They don't have the Holy Ghost, and they don't understand the Holy Ghost, and they're not going to understand the Holy Ghost because it takes the Spirit of God himself, the Holy Ghost, to let you grasp the fact that God himself can be inside of you and operating in you. How can a person that's fleshly understand that? You mean to tell me there's another being inside of me? That only makes sense to the natural mind. What am I, schizophrenic? How could it be somebody else inside of me? You you see what I'm saying? That doesn't make sense to the natural mind. But when you come off the natural mind and come into the spiritual mind, you can understand that I am still Brian Fox, a fleshly person that has a spirit inside of me, and I do trust God at his word that even though I can't quantify how it occurs, if he says according to his word that the Holy Ghost is in me, I take him at his word. So the Holy Ghost is inside of me, and I'm still not schizophrenic. I might be a little crazy, but I'm not schizophrenic. (laughs) So he says that he dwelleth with me, and he is in me. So all this, where's the Holy Ghost? I don't see him. Well, the reason you might not see him is because you're looking all over for him. And the whole time, he's right in you. In other words, if you're looking outwardly for him, you're not going to find him. But if you realize that he's in you, you can say, speak to me. Give me guidance. Give me wisdom. Give me peace. Give me healing. Amen. And he will interact with you. He will speak to you in a still, small voice. Sometimes he will speak to you the way that he, he did to me earlier with a billboard sign saying, don't do this, don't do that. Hallelujah. He'll speak to you in your, gr- in your dreams. He'll speak to you through creation. A lot of times I'm out in the yard doing different things and, and the Holy Ghost uses a plant, a weed, to speak revelation about the kingdom of God to me. That's how the Holy Ghost will speak to you. But you've got to open up your mind to say, hey, he's not some inanimate thing. He's a part of me, so start speaking to me. Let me learn the ways in which you interact with me and speak to me. Let me learn the ways. The reality is he's speaking all the time. Are we listening? Samuel didn't know the voice of God. He kept running to Eli. You called me. No, I didn't. You called me. No, I didn't. You called me. No, I didn't. The next time you hear it, say, your servant heareth. See, Samuel had to learn how to hear the voice of the Holy Ghost. And we might have to do the same thing. But I'm telling you, he is speaking. We have to learn to listen. Then we see here, he will give us another Comforter, capital C. The Holy Ghost is also the Comforter. He comforts mankind, especially during times of grief. I remember as a young man... Uh, my grandparents lived with us for years, and there were several times from the time I was a child that they talked about, we're going home, which was a phrase that was used back in the day to say, we're going back down south, or we're going back down to North Carolina. And my parents used to always talk to them and beg and plead and talk to them out of it. But I remember this one time, my grandparents were like, no, we're, we're going this time. They were getting older, and they were like, we want to go back to our roots. We need to go back to North Carolina. So they went down. And we used to visit over the summers and when we could on different breaks. And this one year, you know, we got the news that my grandfather died. And I remember going all the way down to North Carolina, and my dad's driving. I stayed awake the whole trip, kind of talking and keeping him company. Went down there, saw the family, did the funeral, did the repast. I didn't shed a single tear, even though I loved my grandfather. I did not shed a single tear. It was like we just went down there for a party. And I came to realize later on I was just numbing myself. So we came back three days after the funeral. I'm sitting in this room by myself, which was like a lot of times a place of me and him used to interact. And I started crying. And all of a sudden it felt like I'm sitting there, like my mouth dropped open because it felt like all of a sudden I had this sensation like a hand had reached up underneath me and lifted me up. And the feeling was so strong that I literally looked down at my chair to see if I was, like, levitating off the chair. Because it just literally felt like somebody picked me up. And it just, like, hit me, like, God's reached down and he's comforting me to the point where I literally felt like I felt the physical sensation of being lifted up out of my chair. See, that's the comforter. That's the, the big C comforter. Amen. Not the one you throw in your bed at night. <laughs> Amen. This is the big C comforter, the Holy Ghost. Who comforts you? He gives you peace that passes all understanding to guard your heart and mind. He gives you peace to take away all the pain that the world system and people can send your way. He gives you peace when others are saying, How in the world can you be so calm, cool, and collected? You should be losing your mind right now, and you're sitting there peaceful because the Holy Ghost gives you that peace. And He's the one that has the power. See, not only power for miraculous signs, miracles, and wonders, but He has the power to comfort a wounded heart and mind. Amen. So it's not just about outward demonstrations of supernatural power. It's also about the supernatural transition of your heart from being broken to now being mended or being strong enough that, hey, I still have grief, but I'm going to get through. That's a supernatural thing, too. So Sometimes we are taken so low. We are so devastated that you need the supernatural power of God to do that. So you may not need the supernatural power of God to part of sea amen but you might need the super natural power of god to get me to tomorrow that's power <laughs> the comforting power of the holy spirit that's what he provides and like i said that power is not something you got to search all over for see that's the problem with the world system the world is looking all over the world, all over the place for comfort for peace for security whole time they just accept jesus christ the power is within you see, when they talk about the power within you, they're talking about all this metaphysical stuff and babbling and chanting and talismans and charms and stuff like No, I'm talking about the power of God himself inside of you. You're going to be all right. We are going to make it to tomorrow. No, this is not going to destroy you. I'm going to get you through. I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you right now. Amen. That's true power from the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And as we see here, he dwells inside of us through his role as the comforter. We see further about him being inside of us. First Corinthians 3.16. Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? He's asking you a question. Do you realize that the temple of God, that word temple, another word for it is a shrine. There's a shrine erected in the doors of your heart. Amen. Not one with fallen gods like Shiva, the destroyer. And all these other false gods, these pagan gods that you're bending down and making sacrificial offerings to. No, he's saying that you are a temple of God, the house of God, the tabernacle of God is inside of you on a daily basis. You don't have to look all over the place for something to get you through, to give you peace. Amen. The power of the Holy Ghost is inside you. You can get the peace you desire anytime by praying, by seeking the face of God, by studying your word. The power is there the whole time, and the presence of God is there the whole time. If we come to the place that we just acknowledge it. So he's asking the question here, do you realize that you are the temple of God? Amen. You don't have to chase after things. The temple of God is you. Amen. So even more than this building the fortnightly is your church home, even greater than that, you have the church of God residing inside of you all the time. I'm not giving y'all permission not to show up every week. But I'm telling you that if you're in a place where you can't get here in a certain week, God the Father is with you. Amen? We're going to see that in the next verse. Psalm 137. I'm sorry. Psalm 139, 7 through 10. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold thou art there if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me alright so we see here you really can't escape the presence of the Holy Spirit (laughs) amen he's everywhere you go up into heaven whether you fly in a plane, a helicopter, or an air balloon, hang glide, you do like, what's this, Baumgartner, Felix Baumgartner, the guy that jumped from the space capsule down to the earth and set a record and, and was the first human being to go mock something, mock, pass a Mach 1, he broke the sound barrier. I mean, I saw the video on that, and I, I've been dead from standing on the perch there. Because <laughs> you look down, all you saw is, I mean, you look at miles to get to the clouds, <laughs> not miles to the ground. I'm talking, you looking down miles just to reach the clouds. That's how high up he was. I'm like, oh, th- that trip would have been over by me standing on the edge. First of all, y'all wouldn't have got me up in that thing. <laughs> but if I was up in that thing, protective suit, you can protect all you want. There's going to be a dead man when it hits the ground because I'm going to die of a heart attack heading down. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. I don't know if y'all saw it, but you saw it. Woof. I think Trey saw, it It was, it was beyond the fear of heights. But as high up as he was, higher, higher than any man had ever been outside of a, you know, vehicle, once he jumped out, the presence of the Holy Ghost was there. Amen. You go out in the space shuttle, the Holy Ghost is there. As we see there, if you make your bed in hell, I don't know, nobody want to make that bed there. But if you believe in Christ and somehow you end up in hell, he says, my presence is there. (laughs) You know, unfortunately, some people get there and they're past the turning point. But there have been times where people have literally said that they died with the hell and the Lord brought them back. Why? Because he was there. You know, there's a judgment time. And if you're past the point of being brought back, you know, the Holy Ghost is not going to bring you out of hell if your wrath, the judgment upon you is that you die without accepting Christ. But there have been times where they were afforded a certain opportunity for God's divine purposes that were going to come back and preach the gospel that they were brought back. Amen? Because even there, the Holy Ghost is present. So there's nowhere you can flee him. And once again, that tells us about how amazing he is. Doesn't matter how high, how f- far below, how far away you can go, there is nowhere you can go to exp- to flee the presence of the Holy Spirit, but yet, despite the boundaries in which He inhabits, He's still inside of you as well. Amen. That's incredible. All right, I'm going to give you three principles of the Holy Spirit. Three guiding principles to close, and I'm going to make it quick. The first principle is called the principle of conscience control or awareness the principle of conscious control or awareness and what i mean by this is that we've seen things i even saw it the other day they were talking about these apocalyptic cults and they had this thing where these people looking like they're in trances and their eyes are all up at the top of the head and they're shaking and foaming in the mouth and rolling around on the floor and chanting and doing all kinds of stuff and they're trying to think they're trying to the devil's deceived them into thinking they have the Holy Spirit. No, they don't have the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is not going to place you in a trance where your mind is gone and you're like, He's not going to have you convulsing around on the floor and seizing and jerking and foaming at the mouth and rolling around and gyrating and speaking out of your head and things like that. I remember one time we saw a rock, this woman down, down on her, her four knees doing certain kinds of m- maneuvers with her body that were inappropriate. And they're like, oh, she got the Holy Ghost. She ain't got the whole Ghost. She got the devil all over her. <laughs> and I was kind of, you know, I was the deliverance man. I was like, ain't the devil's going to be flexing up in here. So I just walked right up there, and people were looking. looking. Then a couple of the people were like, well, I wonder if that's some God." They're like, oh, somebody do something. I saw that. I was like, I just walked up. I went like that. Bam. It's like she flat, she, she did a couple, like, little flop like a little fish, and that was it. I just, like, the Holy Ghost was like, uh-uh. I was like a, one of the sergeant of arms, like, uh-uh, the devil ain't manifesting up in here. So she just do, doing her little manifestations that were devilish and lustful, and I just went over, bam, just lay hands on it, bam, one second, and the Holy Ghost was like, bam, end of it. Because he's not going to have manifestations that look lustful. Or sexual or animalistic or, you know, like you're having seizures and foaming at the mouth and all this other jerking and gyrations and stuff like that that you see. The He's going to keep you. You're aware that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and comforting you and bringing you peace and giving you illumination stuff like that. But it's not like he takes you outside of your natural mind where you're in an altered state, like you're doing LSD or something like that. You still have control of your mind and the holy spirit is totally in control even if we're out of control i shared before that i was in philly years ago and we were at this church and they had a crowd that came up to the to the altar for prayer and there wasn't enough people to really catch them in case they you know fell backwards so i was trying to help and it was one of those situations where the line at the altar wasn't orderly so i was trying to work my way through the people to to catch people if they fell but it's like the pastor got ahead of me, and I couldn't get to this lady quick enough. I was trying to rush. I couldn't get to her because people were blocking my path, and I don't want to be rude. So anyway, they're at a the church, and they got a concrete floor. This woman falls back. I mean, she hit her head like, bam. I mean, you heard it through the whole church. She hit her head, bam, so hard that no bending in the knees, just like, bam. Head came back up, bam, a second time. Everybody's like <gasps> And Lily's laying there, so he got over to her and trying to see if she's okay. And she laid for a bit, and everybody's looking to see if she's okay. She got up, walked back to her chair. She didn't feel a thing. And I said, see, we didn't have our stuff under control, but because the Holy Ghost was part of it, he prevented her from getting injured. Amen. He's a God of control. And we see that 1 Corinthians fourteen thirty three. For God is not the author of confusion. But of peace, as in all churches of the saints. See, God, the Holy Spirit, will keep things in control. There's a certain kind of order, a certain kind of fashion. I remember my pastor got saved under. He's like, I might be interacting with another church where I'll allow another pastor to pray for me. But he said, I'll never have myself laid out on the floor. Because he said, I'm in charge of making sure my people are okay. He said, how am I pre- protecting the sheep that are under my if I'm laid out on the floor? So he said, I'll let somebody pray for me, but never to the point where I'm out of it because anything could happen. He said, you always, God's a God of order. He always keeps a sense of control. And we see that here in the scripture. God is not the author of confusion. So how can people say the Holy Ghost is part of this and God is part of this if they foaming at their mouth, flipping around the floor, gyrating, flipping, and seizing up? And that ain't the Holy Ghost. That's confusion. That making God, it makes God look bad. So how's the Holy Ghost part of what is making God look like a sham? He's not a part of it. Amen? That's a simple answer. He's not a part of it. So that was the principle of conscious control or awareness. The second one is the principle of Christ's glorification. And what that means is that Jesus will always be glorified when somebody is um, impelled by the Holy Ghost to do or say something. If the Holy Ghost is involved, it always comes back to God the Father, God the Son, god the holy ghost being glorified that's that's it some kind of deliverance salvation healing is coming about but it also brings glory to the name of god it makes people turn their life over to him it was the principle of christ's glorification if the emphasis or glory is on a person instead of jesus then that person is acting out of his flesh to fulfill his own desires or lusts, and the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with it. And that's why you see with a lot of these cults, you know, Waco, Jim Jones, Guyana, things like that. These people lost their lives because it came in under the guise of being Christianity, but as the person elevated himself, not God, then he starts barking orders to the people on how they live, how they spend their money, who they're with. And maybe certain things are going like he's crossing over into areas of their marriage that he shouldn't be crossing and stuff like that. Then the next thing you know, he's like, oh, we need to kill ourselves. because..." Well, why you got to kill yourself early to get to Jesus? Amen. But this has happened over the years because the glory came off of God and it came onto a man. And once it came on him, his ego, his pride and Satan got a hold of him. And it, the, the results are devastating. That situation with Jim Jones. He had politicians over there that drank the poison juice. So don't think that somebody out out of control can only deal with the foolish, naive people. Sometimes they can get in and take hold of the mind of somebody that is more knowledgeable as well. Amen. Hallelujah. So God will always be glorified if something is truly being governed, controlled by the Holy Spirit. It will glorify Christ and God, not elevate man. 1 Corinthians one twenty three through twenty nine. But we preach Christ crucified, unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world and things which are despised have God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. All right, so um, here we see, once again, the glorification. That after all these different things are going, you know, some of the things that we might think are foolish, God will give us knowledge where his glory is being seen and we'll see the wisdom of God in that. And throughout all this stuff, no matter what is going on, it may be foolishness to them, but we see that God will structure stuff in such a way that the revelation of who he is and bringing glory to his name will come about as a result of everything that's going on under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And at the end of it, the people that are serving to minister to the people under them are pointing to Jesus Christ as being their Savior and God being their Heavenly Father and them being part of the kingdom of God. He's not glorifying himself. He's glorifying them. And he's saying, hey, I'm just a human being. I have my ups and downs and my good things and my bad things, but I'm just showing you how you need to serve God, not how to serve and glorify me. And that's the end result. No flesh will glory in his presence. It all points back to Jesus Christ. Now, the last thing we'll look at is the principle of creedal faith. The principle of creedal faith. Credal is C-R-E-E-D-A-L. And that basically means that one of the main aspects of the Holy Spirit, in terms of his interactions with people, is to bring people under the lordship of jesus christ and to energize their faith in him amen a lot of times that comes through the word of god that's why it's talking about creedal faith you know what creed do you follow so the holy spirit guides people unto the unto the lordship of jesus christ he doesn't point to man leading them he doesn't point to some crazy rituals and things like that everything goes back to being in conjunction with the word of god you'll never see the holy ghost guiding you to do something that contradicts the word of god because by him doing that he'd be contradicting himself since he is one with god amen anything the holy spirit tells you will align itself with god and i've seen that problem before in a church you know i even heard of something um as, as, even yesterday you know well god did you know so and so in the bible did this and that no you're you're corruptly using the word of god the holy ghost the word of god never gave you justification to do or say or think what you're thinking amen holy spirit will always lead you back to the lordship of jesus christ and righteous living before god not making excuses for your misdeeds so this will be the last one we look at romans 8 12 through 17 Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of god and if children then heirs heirs of god and joint heirs with christ if so that we suffer with him that we may be also glorified together all right so we see here that as many as are led by what by the spirit of god they are what the sons of god See, so he he guides you so that you get unto under the leadership of god himself as one of his children he never leads you in such a way that you're errant in your behavior and you're getting into occulted destructive um errant things according to the spirit matter of fact we see here that we had the spirit of bondage under the world system and deception to the devil he takes us from that to being under the lordship of god where we are so close with him that we could say abba father like hello daddy so that's what the holy spirit does and it also says he bears witness with us. If we felt like, oh, I was abandoned, I was alone, nobody cared about me. He takes us to the place where we, his spirit, the Holy Spirit, bears with our human spirit that, no, you are beloved in God now. You are a child of God. You are not alone and abandoned. So that's the things that the Holy Spirit does. Amen. Hallelujah. And we're going to leave it with that today. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. Amen. Whatever you want to call him, he is one with God. And as I said earlier, the same way we pray to God, the father and Jesus, the son, or we thank the two of them. We can also include the Holy Ghost in in that as well, because really, a lot of times on a daily basis, the Holy Ghost is the one that actually provides us a lot of our instruction and insight on a daily basis that's why it refers to him as our teacher that's a capital t teacher he's a comforter capital c comforter he's a guide capital g guide he's the one that has a lot of interaction with us on a daily basis matter of fact as you're praying you're getting revelation from god or insight It's the holy ghost a lot of times that's speaking it to you when you're reading the word and something in that scripture catches your eye or touches your heart and think wow that really meant something to me today a lot of times it's the holy spirit that's speaking and making that word or that passage alive to you and pertinent to you on a daily basis amen hallelujah all right so let's give god the father god the son and god the holy spirit a hand clap praise the lord for the holy ghost thank you jesus hallelujah Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we praise and thank you, Lord, Holly, for everything you're doing in our lives. We thank you, Father, for leading me to um, teach on the, the Holy Ghost today. And we praise you, Father, that if we had no idea of the Holy Ghost before, what his nature was, how he operated, what his purpose was, or possibly thought that he was just... Um, power coming from god but he didn't have any personality we praise you right now father for giving us um, the revelation that he is truly one with you he's also a person in the same way we can glorify you god and jesus we can also glorify him for the wonderful things he does in our life on a daily basis we ask you right now to tune our ears and our spirits to hear him more clearly than ever before we praise you thank you father that we would learn to respond to his voice and, and Holy Spirit, as you would speak to us um, and we start to respond, we thank you that you would um, continue to speak to us even more. Just encourage us in our faith and our walk with you. We praise you also for the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, the gifts. That emanate from us and also the power that you give us to to interact in people's lives to bring about healing deliverance and salvation we praise you as we become more responsive to your voice and we act on what you're speaking to us we will start to see more changes in the lives of the people that we minister to and we just praise and thank you father for this and we give you glory and honor father for the coming week that you would bless us we praise you in advance father for those who um, we're sick today. We praise you to touch Tony right now. Give her peace. Give her healing. We praise and thank you, Father, for those w- that were lifted up in prayer requests that you would touch them as well. And we just thank you, Father, for all these things. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give Lord a hand clap. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.